Texas, your United States of America. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to episode 18 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. We hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Rusev Day. On today's episode, we're getting into all things red and blue, and Rick tries to explain SmackDown to the casual fan. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative, the business behind the business that is this crazy world known as professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is El Capitan Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, joined as always alongside the Luke to my Leia. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me, it's post-Christmas RBV. I kind of glad that the holidays are they're over, they're behind us. I was I was dealing a little bit with a head cold, uh, but I kept pushing through. I didn't miss any of my family events, uh, and I was paying for it at times. Uh, I was laid up a little bit, uh, but I am I am here with you uh, once again, Jargo, hitting the March Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ready to talk some red and blue, make uh, make sense of these holiday posters uh, that we I guess we had. Earlier. As you can hear, we're having some issues. Uh, Skype is being a absolute whore today, so you'll you'll just have to bear with us a little bit. Rick, did I lose you completely? Oh nope, I think you're back. Uh, I I I got you. I, I, we know that Skype is having issues. Yeah, it, it's a Skype thing. It's not us, guys. Sorry about that. Um, so I guess let's let's go ahead and and jump into Monday Night Raw. There's a lot to cover on this show. Uh, Raw comes to us from the sold-out Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois, even though, by my calculations, they had about another 5,000 people in the building for WrestleMania 13. Oh, and Sunday night tickets were still available through Ticketmaster for 20 bucks. Well, you, you know, it's an, it's an old trick in anyone that's worked in events and marketing. You know, it's easy to, to say a sellout. If you only open up, say, 5,000 tickets, and yes, though all those are gone, but you only sold... You only open made available five thousand in an eight thousand arena. Then yeah, you know technically you did sell out your your ticket allotment. Uh, it's just one of those little twists. And WWE is is quite known for this. Um, Mr. Bruce Richard has talked about this a great deal on a few episodes of Something to Wrestle. So yeah, it's something that they do. You know, it, it makes it sound good, but just even watching television, they couldn't hide. You know, the upper uh, the upper deck there that was all tarped off. So this was a, a theme throughout both shows because the first hour was presented commercial-free thanks to the USA Network. Uh, that was a novel, nice thing of them to do. Unfortunately, the WWE did absolutely nothing with it on either show. Instead, we start off both shows with a half-hour-long segment when you could have used that first hour to set up, I don't know, maybe the rest of your fucking show keep you hooked in there but you know they just went with the regular routine i guess the only thing that was probably nice for those in attendance they didn't have to sit through those god-awful promo packages they run when we're just supposed to we're, they're just supposed to kind of go numb for a little bit when you know the rest of the world goes to commercial yeah i did see a couple of our friends over in the uk talking about uh when they would go to an ad break 
because, you know, it wasn't on USA Network over there. It's presented on Sky Sports. And it seemed like the commercial breaks were in incredibly awkward positions for uh, one Mr. Money MacGyver. Sorry, Money. Very, very, very interesting take. You know, I didn't even really, you know, think about that. We kind of get wrapped up in our own little world when you hear it's, it's going to be commercial free. You know, how those, those watching it in other countries, you know, in real time with us, you know, how do they actually? I, I guess it was really bad on SmackDown because it was during that opening tag match and they went to um, what they call ad break um, literally as soon as Rusev got the hot tag. Like, oh, what a man. shitty time to go to commercial. <laughs> that's, that's, that's bad. You know, fortunately, I, I did not watch Raw uh, on Monday evening. I actually just kind of got through it before we went on the air here. So it is, it is rather fresh in my mind. Uh, so I'm definitely ready to dive into some of this here. Now, you said you weren't off the air anyway. Uh, you said that you weren't real high on this episode. Um, I'm higher on this episode than I've been on most episodes in the past two months because they actually did something on this episode. There was at least a little bit of advancement of storyline. I'll, I'll agree with you there. And, and I, I kind of I think it's kind of interesting how we can look at this thing because you you watched it as a complete run where I kind of watch it and you know, the breaked up segment breakdown of it. Uh, so how we get that a little different, how we're going to perceive things. And you might be able to explain some things to me here uh, to help me see a better light. Son of a bitch. I'm hold on what a minute. What the fuck? Hold on a minute. Let me go turn off the fucking speaker back here. Wow. We're getting into the musical break already. Whatever you want to do, it's all right. You can't tell Rick's recording live on location again. All right, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you there, Jugger? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, baby, baby, let's stay together. Are you Say something. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. I was having a fucking headset thing problem. Uh, <laughs> apparently, there's a fucking wake out there now. <laughs> what a time to talk about Monday Night Raw. What a time to talk about Raw. Jeez, oh, Pete. So, sorry to everyone out there about that. It's okay. It's a great song. So let's let's kick off the show. John Cena comes out of all people kicking off the show because you know Cena's been so relevant over the last couple of months that let's kick off that first uninterrupted commercial hour with John Cena. He's interrupted by Elias. They do their little comedy bit that goes on for about you know fifteen minutes. And one of the first things that stands out to me is reason number infinity why Roman is not the guy. It's what Cena did right at the beginning of the show, where he's like, you know what, before we get started, I'm going to hook up this kid. I thought that was awesome. If you, if you really got to look at the kid, that, that there was more to that story than, than what we just saw. Well, like you say, and I, I don't want to get into another argument here if Roman is the guy or not. I think they're just perceived so differently. Uh, but that is it's exactly the reason that, that the John Cena brand is so strong, how he presents himself. He, 
you believe it's him in every in every walk of his life. I mean, we know he goes out and does other things, but he ultimately represents himself that way. And then he makes that effort to reach out to, especially that younger audience who, when they're watching wrestling, it's still magical. It means something to them. And that's like a superhero, you know, coming into their life. And those are cool moments. Yeah, that was somehow planned. That was a Make-A-Wish kid or something. I, I was kind you know, just getting into the segment, though. I guess it was... It was okay for what it was. I would have preferred something completely different there. Uh, you know, you got we just got Cena being typical Cena, just hamming it, hamming it up for the audience. You know, just going for those little cheap moments, especially in a tough town like Chicago, fan wise. Especially a town that can't stand him. Chicago's never been a Cena town. You know, he wasn't getting so much hate on him there, but you know, he's out there pandering to them to try to, I guess to equalize, you know, that, that hate towards him to say, you know, let's make it about you here. I wish he would have made it more about, Hey, I've been going out doing these projects, but you know, thank you. I couldn't be, I wouldn't be anywhere if it actually wasn't for you people. Uh, put over. I would have said put over how some superstars. Yes. Can transcend what happens in the ring and our major crossover stars. I would have, I would have rather seen something like that put over, but I, I'm not completely hating on it. It was, it was kind of entertaining, I guess. It ran long. Yeah, it, it felt like it went forever because there was no commercial break. You know, I never thought that I'd be begging for a commercial break somewhere in there. Just if nothing else, it would have helped explain a little bit of the logic of what was about to come. Elias comes out. Elias and Cena have their little interaction. Uh, I think the important thing here was Elias actually held his own in the ring with John Cena, much more so than Roman Reigns did a couple of months ago. Elias was on his game when he was doing the talking. Very much enjoyed that. Another great outing by him. It, it just kind of goes back. I wanted to ask you about this because we've made note of this over the last couple of weeks. You know, there was um, kind of the speculation that that maybe Rollins and Reigns got together to sabotage Elias a little bit. Uh, then he gets fed to Braun. Then he disappears. Then he comes back with the with the ladies. And now he's here working with Cena in the open, getting his moments in here, still taking that L. But where do you think they're standing with him right now? I don't know. I'm very, very curious. And, and I guess one of the things that has me so curious is the fact that he mentioned he who shall not be named. And I'm not talking about Lord Voldemort. I, you, when you bring up CM Punk inside of a WWE ring, I wonder what Vince's reaction was backstage when that came out of his mouth. Do you think maybe, I mean, ultimately, if you want to go out there and get some kind of heat in Chicago, that's the way to go there. That's the way to do it. And if you want that audience to start backing Cena to beat up somebody, that's the way you do that. That's so the way that to do probably, it. I mean, that was probably approved. I guess I'm with this with this roller coaster that he's kind of on, or I, we don't really know what direction they're going in here with him. Is there people in management who actually want to walk with Elias? I guess my biggest question that I had here was why does Kurt Angle hate John Cena? Because, I mean, the way this segment kicks off, right? So they do their little comedy bit. Elias ends up, ends up punching John Cena in the mouth. Cena is laid out for 40 seconds. Unconscious, in the middle of the ring. And it's during that time that Elias basically books his own match. 
Kurt Angle sends out a referee and approves this thing while Cena's laying unconscious in the middle of the ring. Why does Kurt Angle hate John Cena? This is continuing an issue with them. People just randomly making matches without even a challenger being able to accept them, which Cena obviously could not hear. He's laid out cold. Uh, this guy is the face of your company. He's out, he is your cross-promotion star. So you're exactly right here. Wouldn't you do a little bit more to protect him there? You would think. I mean, it's like, this is where a commercial break would have come in really handy, you know, where you could have had three, four minutes for Cena to recover. Kurt Angle, you know, actually decide, yeah, I want to book this match. I mean, what I would have done is I would have brought Kurt Angle out and said, oh, yeah, this match is going to happen later tonight in the main later event. Tonight. You know, heaven forbid we put in a hook and you want to keep people around to see John Cena. Uh, some of the some of the flaws here in their logic with their storytelling throughout the show really had me going. Uh, at multiple times, I thought, especially the, the officials, the referees, just looked like complete jackass. Uh, and we'll talk about those as we come up on a number of things. But again, you know, just completely flawed logic in in how structure coming out of the gate. And I'm going to take a shot at John Cena here, and I'm going to do it on behalf of all you people that hate Finn Balor. Because your biggest complaint about Finn Balor is Finn Balor no-sells shit. You want to talk about no-selling shit? You watch the end of that match. Elias beats the shit out of Cena for 16 minutes, dominates 80% of the match. As soon as the, this is boring, chant kicks in, John Cena perks right up. Ain't nothing happened to him the whole fucking match. He's wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, smiling ear-to-ear, hits him with a five-knuckle shuffle, and AA, boom, we're going home. This shit's over with. You want to talk about no-selling, look at fucking John Cena. That was terrible. Piss me off. I want to walk with Elias. So let's talk about some more Kurt Angle horse shit. We have this backstage segment with Seth and Jason Jordan, which you want to pair up Seth and Jason Jordan, fine. We'll get more into them when we get towards the main event because I think maybe we're completely changing gears here with Jason Jordan. It's like, we're just going to kill the Jordan storyline. We're going to replace Ambrose with Jason Jordan. That's basically what happened. Well, I was kind of wondering that, you know, now that we know that, that Dean's going to be out, what, for I mean, close to a year, uh, eight, nine months, something along those lines. The reports that we're getting, this is the official statement from WWE.com. Following Dean Ambrose's successful surgery last Tuesday night to repair a high-grade triceps tendon injury, Michael Cole took a moment during the December 25th episode of Raw to confirm that the lunatic fringe will be out of action for approximately nine months. I expect that'll probably be closer to four to six, knowing WWE timelines, and then they can be like, oh, he was supposed to be out for nine months and he's back in six. Oh my God, God bless Dean Ambrose. That's what I'm assuming is going to happen here. I assume that we get him back probably SummerSlam-ish. It's kind of my I guess. see we're going there. I see we're going there. And then, you know, this is one of those, there's twists and kinks you just have as part of the business. You know, Kratom has to remain on their toes. So maybe they just said, hey, man, you know, we're not getting really the reaction. What? And I wouldn't completely stall that program. I've always given them credit. At least they're sticking with it. But I do get the feeling out there a lot of people just really are not feeling what's going on with Jordan here. I think this is kind of a way to just keep keep on that same path, but kind of turn up the heat a little bit. Get people to really start hating on this guy before you can do some kind of twist where it stops being, 
you know, the die Rocky die, the X Pac heat, and he and he actually does something, finds something in himself where this turns out to be a positive and he gets himself over as a heel. The thing that I was much more intrigued by in this entire sequence is when Jordan and Rollins walk out of the shot, the camera pans over, and there's Roman Reigns. He was actually in the office the entire time because we're going to get Roman versus Joe later. Why in the fuck didn't Seth Rollins at least acknowledge that Roman Reigns was in the room? Especially, too, if you're big, bad... uh, if you're big, bad Roman Reigns, you want to stick up for your, your shield brother in there. What you kind of just even say like, hey, no, 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 don't put Jordan in this. I'll do double duty tonight. Right. You know, and have Kurt be like, no, Roman, we can't do that. You're the Intercontinental Champion. You'll face Joe. This is what we're going to do. But it was just awkward that Seth and Roman didn't even acknowledge one another while they're standing in the same room. This shield reunion is dead. You, you, you could have gotten a little more... Uh, a little more heat on that situation as well. You have Roman actually propose, hey, you know, no, we're the shield, we're brothers. I'll do double duty tonight. I, I'm that kind of guy. I'm this is my yard. I'm the top guy. And then have Kurt step in, like you say, like you said, and say, no, 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 we're not doing that. You got a big match. You're worried about the Intercontinental Championship. I'm putting my son, Jason Jordan, in that match. Then make a point to even have them come out and say, Kurt, when you filled in to help out the shield. We accepted you. We gave you the vest. You became an honorary member. And then go out of their way to say, Jason Jordan, you are no way in hell will ever be considered an honorary member of this team. Yeah, it was just, it was an really awkward built some segment. Tension there. Awkward segment. Didn't, was not a fan of that whatsoever. Uh, speaking of painful segments, let's, let's talk about the cruiserweights. This one's painful in a little bit of a different way. Uh, couple of things that I want to jump into here because I am so freaking confused by what's going on with Hideo Itami. And I'm pretty sure Hideo Itami is confused by what's going on with Hideo Itami at this point. Uh, number one, uh, this one goes out to my friend Mitchell Cole. Hideo Itami was not a big sports entertainment star in Japan. He was a big pro wrestling star in Japan. Sports entertainment is exclusive to the WWE. Don't even try. This shit just pisses me off, dude. It drives me nuts when they're refer- referring to Gordon Soley making fucking quotes and replacing pro wrestling with sports entertainment. Now they're calling companies in Japan sports entertainment. Fuck off. I, I know you're. I knew you're going to be hot on that there, but come on. You, you know what it is, man. It's just one of those things you got to live with with that company. Those are their buzzwords. They are huge on them. Then don't say it. Just say Hideo Itami was a big star in Japan. It's in their minds because, you know, they're talking more to a casual fan base. They just want it to be in your head. I don't that, Hey, it's sports entertainment. I don't hey, understand. And then, you know, then against, then against us people that, you know, they kind of take offense to when they drop things like that. Uh, I've got one. I guess, you know, I'll bring it up now. It's going to bring it up later on when we start talking about the women's division. Um, but Corey Graves. He, he drove me completely crazy throughout this entire program. Uh, to me right now, I think Graves has jumped the shark. He, he might be the biggest tool bag in the company. And what really set me off during this episode is when he said, who was it? I think it was either DeVille or Rose, or maybe it was about both of them, that they were woman handling their opponents. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Going right back to the same complaint with the company, and I know someone's feeding him those lines, but 
the way he's, you know, that he is presented, the way he delivers, uh, he has just turned into a complete tool. Uh, it's like Michael Cole Jr. The, the work between Cole and Graves, I'm actually enjoying Booker T. He is the best part of, of that commentary team. And can we please get Corey Graves off of both shows? Because it is seriously damaging the brand split to me. Because both shows sound basically the same, minus Booker T's stupid-ass bullshit. Just put Steve hey, Carino hey, on I'm commentary. Yeah, I am sorry. You know, everyone out there, you know, regularly hates on Booker T. You really break this down. You look at both shows. Booker T's probably the best part of this commentary team's on each show. At least I pop at what Booker T is saying, regardless of if it makes any sense or not. I'll give him that. Let's go back to Hideo. Um, a couple of things that confuse me here. Are Kendrick and Gallagher still heels? Did they turn them? Uh, I, I think it's been so long since they have been on television. Or maybe just like a, in the blink of an eye. Because how did they end up? Where did they fall in the lines? Are, maybe because they're not part of the Zoe train. Maybe we're just supposed to assume now that you know that entire roster split on 205. That maybe that was just a quiet turn there. Gotcha. I, 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 I sincerely did not know because I don't watch 205 Live. I haven't seen I, either no, of I, these guys I, in months. I'm just taking. I'm just taking a guess. I can't even recall. I mean, you know, I don't religiously watch 205, but you know, I'll check it out. Do like the, the quick, like 15 minute recap of it. I can't remember the last time I've seen either of these two. And then on commentary, they put over the fact that he debuts with Finn Balor, who is one of the biggest baby faces on the roster. And then you have Hideo in the ring yelling, respect me. I can't even tell if he's working babyface or heel at this point. I'm not sure Hideo even knows if he's a babyface or a heel at this point. Well, you know, they did this. Uh, was it last week that he debuted? Yeah, he Everything debuted with Balor like last week. Okay, my entire schedule's out of whack here with these holidays. Like, right now, I, today's Wednesday. Like, I, I keep thinking it's Thursday or Friday. The Christmas on Monday, like, moved my whole schedule. But anyway, yeah, it was confusing. Like, we seen him come out, act like a baby on Monday, and you didn't watch 205. And when we recorded it last week, I brought this up to you. And you're like, what the hell? Because he was working as a major heel the following night on 205. And then this week, they're talking about him like he's a baby face, but he's working like he's a heel. And I think he's in the ring against a heel, which would make him the baby face. I'm just, I'm completely confused by what's going on with Hideo Itami. And then he ends up freaking breaking Brian Kendrick's orbital bone in his nose. So I'm not even sure that it really matters. The last three times Hideo Itami has done a go to sleep. He freaking fractures uh, Dash Wilder's jaw. Now he breaks Kendrick's face. I... And, well, I mean, Punk also, did it, this move a million times, right? I don't, I don't ever it was remember. Aries that he really met. No, up. no, no. That was Nakamura. Nakamura is the one that shattered okay, okay. Aries' face. I that was... Okay. But I mean, it, it, but it's still the same principle. It's like, what, what is the problem here? Because we saw Punk do the GTS forever. I don't ever remember him hurting anybody with it. And all of a sudden, the last. Three times Hideo's done it. He's injured somebody seriously twice. Is you, this you know one thing? I, I think it, his, his physique has drastically changed since uh, coming over from Japan. He, to me, in my mind, he has let himself go seriously. It, what's the size difference between Punk, Punk and? Uh, Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you go ahead and talk. I'll I'll look that up. Okay, because you know, to me, I, I am curious to see that size difference. 
I, I don't think it's a major one, but Punk, I think, is a little bit bigger because, Tommy, he looks so awkward Punk when he's hitting is, those. Punk is 6'2", 190. Can you imagine CM Punk okay. would be a 205 Live guy? Let that sit in. CM Punk would be a 205 Live guy. All right, here's, here's a difference. Here's a difference. I was, ne- I was never, and you know this, I was, I've never really been a CM Punk fan. Really didn't buy into all the stuff all that much. Hideo well, is 5'9", 182. Hey, that's a big height difference when you're trying to throw someone around like that. Yeah, it's about uh, but, four or know, five inches. But the way Punk always presented himself, complete 180 from Finn Balor, who is just seems comes across to me as just some nerd that I could beat up. Well, I'm just I'm I'm not to interested. get off on a tangent there. Just <laughs> I, I I almost wish that I had been on here because I I need to ask somebody who actually works a question about the GTS because I'm very confused about how this move actually works. I've never quite understood it. Um, obviously, they're pushing themselves up and flipping over, right? So I can't tell. Is the problem Hideo? Or is the problem the people taking the moves incorrectly? That's what I'm not clear on here. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, I, I don't want to stooge anything off, but how about a little teaser? You know, next week, it, it sounds pretty promising that you're going to be able to ask all these questions to a, a great professional who has taken a lot of finishers. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. That's a tease. We may have a special guest coming up. Um, the other thing that I really took away from this, when you're trying to figure out the baby or heel dynamic, Hideo Itami doing a GTS in Chicago, what did the hell did you think was going to happen? CM Punk, CM Punk, CM oh, Punk. Yeah. I mean, duh. I was, they had to know that was going to happen. Almost, certainly. And I was, I was curious to see what the reception there would be if those people there were just so pro-punk that they would just absolutely crap on him, or would, maybe would he be very much accepted because punk, punk really did just lift that guy's moveset. Straight up stole his moveset. Shamelessly stole it. I mean, if you, if you want to see CM Punk wrestle, all you got to do is look up some Kenta matches from over in Noah because it's literally the are, same are those two, match. Are those two friends? I have no you, idea. You would know this better than I would. I was what you know, because, you know, there's always you, you kind of hear there's that protocol show respect. You know, you make a phone call, you reach out, say, hey, can I can I sample this from you? I know uh, the story is that Punk did request permission from Kenta to use the go to sleep. That much I do know. As far as the rest of his entire move set, I don't know if that was a conversation that was had. Where do you fall with Kenta? Like, are, are you a Hideo fan? Do you just not get the guy? Do you not care? I'm, I'm at a point I really just don't care. I think, you know, like you had mentioned before on the show and in the locker room as well, as we're also here, always uh, powered by the GorillaPosition.com. Everyone needs to go check that out. But you can also find us in the Hacker Hummy Media Group uh, every Mondays with Big Ray. And you brought this up a few times. He has just been a victim of the wrong time, wrong place kind of thing. Yeah, terrible timing he, for Hideo. He has had no luck uh, in his in his run with WWE. He came in. He was that hot big signing, that that first Japan signing. He was going to take the WWE by storm. Boom, hits that injury. 
Then you have Nakamura and Finn coming, who had built their names over in Japan. And they kind of started running with that there. And then he comes back. You know, he looks like he's going to position himself for a main event run there in NXT. And boom, once again, injury. You know, just timing and injury. It just hasn't worked out for him. Great that he's got some recognition over here. I think he'd be a great signing back for New Japan as they start their Western expansion eventually. I, I just think he's one of those names that take what you've learned about sports entertainment and how that will help companies growing, moving forward, companies that are moving west, and, and go back there and, and just try to re refine yourself in, in your traditional roots. I'm with my friend uh, Billy Ray Valentine. It's, it's time for Kenta to go home. I, I think he needs to go back to Japan and reestablish himself as the worker that we all know that he is. Because I wonder if one of the biggest issues with Hideo at this point, and I think part of this is what is reflected in his appearance, is that guy's confidence is shot. Absolutely shot. And, you know, I can't imagine that any worker enjoys the feeling of knowing that you just fractured somebody's orbital bone. That ain't going to help his confidence either. I think Kenta's you know, that time is, to go that home. Is a, that is a tremendous point there, Mr. Jargo. Think about any in any field that you work in, You know, maybe individuals have felt this way themselves or they've seen coworkers. When they really just – you can just tell by that vibe you get from them that, oh, God, you know, I'm just going and punching the clock, getting my time and getting out of here, and you kind of get that feeling from him. Yep. Let's move on to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex. Softer. Prettier. One thing I wanted to bring up off the top because it's going to make Jersey Mike very, very happy. Rick, who do you suppose got the women's pop of the night in Chicago? Well, you know, first of all, the way that they are booking this stuff right now, I'm pretty sure those Kleenexes, maybe not with, with Jersey, uh, but if I had a box of Kleenexes next to me during anything that's going on with the women right now, it's staying north of the border because I'm actually using it to walk years away from my face because this, this thing is so disappointing it hurts. The women's pop of the night went to AJ Lee, who isn't even fucking there. There was an A.J. Lee chant during this fucking segment. And you knew, again, you're going to get that. I, I, I don't know really if I've ever heard an A.J. Lee chant. I mean, I've, I've heard the CM Punk chant plenty of times, but an A.J. Well, Lee chant? Just, boy, it really is a women's revolution. They're, they're tying it in to the CM Punk movement there. You know, she's hot. You know, she's in the news. She's, she just had... She just had a you know a little resurgence in, in amongst the sheets and all that. That her book is is possibly being developed into a television series. Certain names out there. She's married to you know the biggest Chicago wrestling star there is. Of course they're gonna let him let him hear about. It. So we get the promo package uh, patting the WWE on the back for the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, I, I the only reason I bring this up is because number one, it's this. absolutely fucking nauseating. Yeah, it's, you know, when they initially did this, it was the, that very moment, that picture where they're all standing, they're hugging, they're, they got their arms raised together, they're, they're in tears. 
you shit all over the business in that level. You've had time to correct that, to actually make it about strong, fierce competitors, not about your company decade behind the curve narrative that you're trying to tell here. It's not about freaking Stephanie McMahon and her announcer. But they continually, they're shoving this down here in a promo package, highlighting this bullshit. And then the worst part was, the worst part was, it was so bad on Monday, let's turn around and show literally the same fucking promo package on Tuesday. The same package. I actually actually had seen SmackDown before Raw. Uh, I told you in a private conversation, it was complete bullshit. It it was upsetting. And I can't believe that people are actually eating this up. If I'm working, if I had any pull within that marketing department, I would, I would be pulling my hair out, actually, if I didn't have any pull, any say in there. Be as bald as I am. Uh, yeah, it that. goes... I, 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 I go... I, you got a line in here, I know. I think I'd be paying somebody $5 to come in uh, and humble some individuals. I don't want to steal any thunder that you, <laughs> you want to talk about. Uh, the, the only reason that I really wanted to talk about this promo package is because I think there's a couple of hints as far as what we can expect inside of the women's rumble. You saw Lita and Beth Phoenix, both having, uh, features inside of the package when they were showing the history. I'm guessing that they're confirmed for the rumble. Also saw a tweet from the Bella's account. I would expect one of, if not both of them in the rumble. I don't think any of those are any surprises. Do you? Uh, not at all. I think... You know, those would be the, kind of your front runners right up there to get go. And we've seen people talking about, you know, throw Trish in there. And that's probably the top five returns that people have been talking about yep. that are actually, even, you know, realistic. Uh, who was it? Jersey Mike was asking me. Oh, Melina. He was like, you think they'll, they'll put Melina in there? And I was like, why in the world would they put Melina in there? Like nothing against Melina. But when you're talking about Trish Stratus, Lita. The Bellas? Beth Phoenix? Nobody is going to be walking away from there going, God damn it, I really wish Molina was in there. Like, really? Why? Why? Uh, you know, the only thing, maybe the difference there, you, you're 100% correct. I mean, you talk about, you've got an, like an A-list here, and then you bring a Molina, so you're sitting like, you're dropping down to like a CC minus on just, you know, the pop, the celebrity within the wrestling community and all that. But Molina still is active. Uh, she, I think she, she wrestles regularly in maybe the New Jersey area, somewhere in the Northeast. There you go, Jersey. Uh, and, uh, Get on that, man. Get uh, on that. Hey, there, and she, here's another thing, though. You've got in your mind what she looked like. She is, she's still a, a gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful woman, believe me, but she looks pretty different than what people will really remember her by. The other thing that he brought up to me was maybe Dakota Kai will be in the Rumble. And I think that's a terrible idea, too. I mean, when, when you talk about this, these May Young Classic women, really the only two that I would even entertain putting inside of the Rumble would be Sane or Baszler. They're the only two that have really any exposure on NXT TV at this point. They're the only two that the main roster is at all familiar with. You don't want women showing up inside of this thing where the announcers have two minutes to tell you their entire story. You want people that people are going to know. So when you're talking about NXT call-ups, you're going to be looking at Kari Sane, Shayna Baszler, Ember Moon, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Nikki Cross. That's probably about it. 
or some conglomeration of them. And I actually wouldn't even use them as like surprise entrants. Go ahead and make a point to, to announce on NXT that, yes, they are joining the Women's Rumble. And then run some highlight packages on Raw and SmackDown beforehand. Just to make sure that there is no confusion when they come out and it just falls flat for anyone just, you know, making their Raw SmackDown debut. Yeah, get some familiarity. You don't want what happened to Hideo Itami on Raw a couple of weeks ago to happen to the women during the Rumble. That's the last thing that you want. So let, let's continue with the women's segment, stay inside this kind of theme here. We have the harem versus Bailey, Mickey, and Sasha. Um, and in, in your tease earlier, you, you mentioned, you know, that I wish somebody would get a $5 face slap. That honor goes to Mitchell Cole. Every time he says, it's boss time. I want Ben Hamin to just slap the shit out of this motherfucker. You, you want to see Cole get slapped? I want a face. I want a $5 face slap here for Corey Graves. This is where he dropped a, they're absolutely woman handling them. Just terrible. We'll, we'll, we'll just PayPal Ben Hameen like 15 bucks. Just go slap the shit out of all three of them. In fact, I'll make it an even 20 if you just slap Mitchell Cole twice. God, I can't stand that guy. Uh, my big takeaway from uh, this match, uh, I really like the black-on-black look for Mandy. I think it's way better than the gold outfit. And I think Paige's evolution on, into the female version of the Joker is almost complete. That was my takeaway from this match. I really had nothing here. It was just the same run-of-the-mill uh, women's division garbage that they've just been rolling out to the curb every Monday for pickup. Paige doing her entire eye socket in black with that bright red lipstick. All she needs is the white face, man. She would be a uh, spitting actually, image saw, of the Heath Ledger well, Joker. When you watching this thing back, I saw in your in your run sheet notes, uh, you know, about her transformation towards this Joker type character. It, it kind of looked like she maybe she did have more. I, I don't not a professional and what they use in makeup and all that, but the powder. The, I don't know the, the, the black blush, around the eyes is what really. No, did her it. her face her face looked paler. Like she was even emphasizing that a little bit more. She did nothing in this match that stood out to me. Uh, you, going back, to, it's boss time garbage. Sasha pulling hair right in front of the referee. You know, great great baby move. Yeah, great baby move. Uh, so let's go to Alexa Bliss, Asuka, that entire sequence, I guess. Uh, I did notice something here, and I, I picked up on it actually earlier in the show because we, we had the Roman and Renee promo. That's where I really noticed it because I heard this weird pop, and I was like, that, that's kind of an awkward place to hear a pop. And then I was listening to the show, and I thought, hey, there it is again. There it is again. And then during the Alexa promo, I figured out what it was. They're using the hair dryer in a microphone trick. Do you know the hair dryer trick, Rick? No, I have no idea what this is. What you're, what you're talking about? In Hollywood, when you're doing like a, a basically a pre-tape, but you want audience laughter, you know how they do it? They run a hair dryer into a microphone. And it gives you that effect of an entire crowd going, ah, it's a hair dryer. Really? It's a fucking hair dryer. Go back and watch that segment now. There's no bass in it whatsoever. It's just like this weird mid and high range tone sweeping up and then it sweeps right back down. It's a fucking hair dryer. 
they had the crowd muted for that entire fucking segment so you wouldn't hear the A.J. Lee chants. That's what was going on there. Fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They're using a hairdryer to manufacture cheers. That's a Hollywood trick going back to the 70s B-movie shit. There you go. Look at you pulling the curtain back. God. Just fucking terrible. And I didn't even think the Bliss promo was that bad. Uh, it, I, I thought it was freaking terrible. Because well, it, it comes it was, out of the gate. It, it was a response to Charlotte's old. bullshit from last week. That's all it was. Yeah, it was copy and paste. I, I, I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, I didn't even, I didn't enjoy any of the Oscar stuff here. I enjoyed Oscar kicking uh, her really? in the fucking head. I, I didn't even care. By that, by that point, I was so checked out of the segment. Uh, they could have. They could have stripped naked and started scissoring, and I wouldn't have given a shit. Is this the first time that we've actually heard Asuka speak on the main roster? I was I was trying to think if we had heard her talk on the main I'm, roster. Before. I'm certain we have. I'm certain that she has. I don't remember her ever talking on the main roster. Hmm. Let us know if you if you have any info. Hit us up on Twitter, HTMPWPod. Um, her English was a lot better than it had been in NXT. It seems like it's actually coming along. Finally, after like three years, still not very good though. I still prefer like the the much more broken in NXT, which I thought I always assumed that was part of her act because I have heard her talk outside of the WWE universe or you know her in ring character and all that, and she always sounded better to me. I thought that was part of the character, and I enjoyed that a lot more than than what we got here. The thing I think is interesting is they actually had her come out on TV and declare that she's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Why did they do that? Did you not know that she was going to be in the Royal Rumble? Because she I announced it. Moment, uh, I think it's a moment, you know, to set her up face to face with the champ. But you here's know, when the we, thing. I, I think a lot of us out there would agree that this should have, she should have been chasing this a while ago. Here's the thing. She had an exclusive on WWE.com last Wednesday when she announced she was going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble match. This was already announced. I thought, okay, so, I thought, I know, maybe. I thought they expected all the casual fans to go to WWE.com every fucking day and check and make sure, is there any updates? Is there any updates? Because, you know, we have nothing better to do with our fucking lives and worry about what's going on in the WWE. Well, then, then I guess then this wasn't treated as, like, her announcement. She was just, like, informing, officially informing informing bliss that she was and she was coming after her so maybe that's a setup there i i don't know it's this entire segment did nothing for me so if oscar doesn't win the rumble it's gonna be balls out hairy ass on this show man gloves are coming i think off. i actually think the setup here that she actually went out there and confronted her about this is probably the biggest tell tell sign that she's not going to win this thing yeah that was my concern as well so let's talk about a promo that did not suck samoa joe I, I don't know what happened to Samoa Joe, but all of a sudden he's like the best fucking talker on this show. I never thought that Joe was that great of a promo, but in like the last two months, he's like up there Heyman style doing shit. Uh, I know you just watched the show. What did you think of the Joe promo? Uh, you know, it, once again, the cream rises to the top, man. Your talent's, your talent's going to separate itself. He is the standout, and he is proving it. it if you give Joe an inch... He will take that mile. He's continued to do that in every level, every opportunity that WWE has given him. He's starting to show us that. I just hope that they, that the management types don't put in one of those ceilings on him and you know he just maxes out where he can go. I, I just think if, if they just continue to let him fly, 
he could hands down be the biggest star in your company. The thing I thought was great about this was Renee Young. The, number one, the fact that Renee Young was the one conducting it, asking about Dean Ambrose without ever saying, you know, my husband, but we all know that. And Joe's just like, yeah, put him on the shelf. I guess the good thing is he gets to spend time at home on Christmas with his loved ones. And then he just pauses, letting that sink into Renee and the look of disgust on her face just makes the entire promo. Fantastic stuff out of Joe. Um, what else we got on the show? Poor Kurt Hawkins. Poor, poor Kurt Hawkins. Comes out. Actually, Kurt Hawkins is on my TV. I get excited about this. He issues an open challenge, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to let Kurt Hawkins win a match. He hasn't won a match all of 2017. It's his last match of 2017. They're going to let Kurt Hawkins win a match. And then Finn comes out. And number one, the look on Hawkins' face was absolutely freaking priceless. Number two, that Balor pop was fucking ridiculous in Chicago. Good on you, Chi-Town. And then I realized yeah, you, what you, was you're, going you're, you're on. You're going to get a big pop there. And then I realized, pop there for him. I realized this, what was going was your... on. This was a rib on the audience. You guys love this guy? Watch this. We're going to have Kurt Hawkins beat him. No, we're just fucking with you. We're not even that stupid. That's what this match was. It was a minute and a half. You saw the tweet that he put out, I'm sure. And then his mom's response. Congratulations, Finn. You're going to go on Twitter and be like, sorry, mom, I have to go wrestle now. You know what you get? A minute and a half match against Kurt Hawkins. Hope your flight was good. Yeah, well, once again, maybe it's because, yeah, you're you're pretty close to Chicago. You go to shows, you've been to shows up in that area there. Uh, you know, this, this Chicago fan base, they drive me crazy, man. And he... And, <laughs> Balor is one of their own, you know, because they're all huge nerds. Okay, you want to talk about the Chicago fan base. Let me, go, let me go on a tangent here about the Chicago fan base. And I ain't even talking about wrestling, all right? You want to talk about the Chicago fan base. Chicago is such a diehard fan base that they cheered the Chicago Cubs for 108 years before they won a World Series. Chicago is the most delusional bunch of fucking sports fans I've ever seen in my life. They think Mitchell Trubisky is the like second coming of fucking Peyton Manning. These people are fucking crazy. So, of course, the wrestling fans in Chicago are going to be fucking crazy. I love it. Well, you see, so they're out there. They're popping for, they're popping for a fellow nerd. Uh, they they want to go against everything that the establishment's about. I would have loved to see Hawkins go over here and, and just end the segment with a losing streak over. Oh, well Mike played. Well played. Well played. I'll give you props on that one. That was good. That was good. Um, if you haven't listened to the Locker Room Edition on uh, the Wednesday show, Ben and RBV, or not RBV, BRV. Jesus, you guys got to come up with like different names or something. BRV on there talking about this. Um, ben is on to something with Kurt Hawkins. I'm very excited to watch Kurt Hawkins for 2018. Very excited. If they would just put him on fucking TV. How hard is it to have the guy go out and lose in a minute and a half every week? So then we had the Wyatt Hardy thing. Wyatt does his thing backstage, cuts his talking in circles promo. Comes walking out, broken Matt Hardy jumps him, beats the shit out of him, and then gets on the microphone and even makes Bray Wyatt uncomfortable 
Like, you got to be a special kind of fucked up when Bray Wyatt is looking at you like, what in the fuck is wrong with you? That was the only thing I took out of that segment. It was just too much. Matt on the microphone. Ah, yeah, oh, for like a minute and a half, the same length as the Ballard-Kurt Hawkins match. For the love of God, man, just get on with it. You know, again, what really takes away from this, they, they haven't done anything in these developments between these two that has got me hooked in any way. I, I am not, I'm not interested. I'm not invested. And again, it comes back to, I mean, you kind of hit, you hit the mark there, brother, with, with your assessment of the interaction between the two talents. Again, for me, commentary completely ruins this thing with, with their just nonsense rambling on. Uh, they're not understanding in a barrel of it. They're not hyping it up properly. It, it kills it for me. The other thing that killed it for me, they had me with the Wyatt facial expressions looking at Matt, just like, wow, you're a special kind of fucked up, ain't you? And then they ruined it with that stupid fucking Mulkin graphic. Like Matt Hardy got with somebody backstage and said, okay, now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to jump Bray Wyatt. And when we're all done, I'm going to make these crazy weird sounds and then run my graphic. It ranks right up there with hit my music while I do a run in. Just fucking stupid. Then we had Joe versus Roman. I actually enjoyed this match quite a bit, but I almost wonder if it was too good considering that we're going back to it in a month. Like, wouldn't it have just been easier to have Roman beat the shit out of Joe rather than having like a 15-minute match go to a disqualification? Uh, the end was, was kind of odd to me, uh, especially, and I know it wasn't an intentional, you know, it didn't really come off as that intentional where he was trying to get his way out of there. I, I did like that Booker T mentioned it, though. Maybe Roman knew he was in the fight of his life and figured a way out of this thing to keep his belt. One on one, one on one, Roman has yet to pin Joe. Uh, So so there we go. So they keep building there. Uh, I like you said, man. I just would have done some kind of double just you were. They ended up just brawling everywhere. And I also would have liked it more if or cat double count out or something along those lines. I would have even been fine if they would have done the same exact angle. Just flip it around. Why is the babyface beating the heel senseless to the point that he gets disqualified, and then? He keeps beating on him afterwards, beats the shit out of him with whatever he can get his hands on. It put all the sympathy on Joe, gave Roman all the heat, and one's the baby face and one's the heel. One gets cheered, one gets booed, and they're the wrong fucking people. I just guess, you know, a couple points and then something kind of popped into my head. Joe is getting your biggest pop. He is the most over. He is your star right now. We talked about his promo earlier. He is excelling there. His in-ring work is untouchable. How he was selling in this match, fantastic. You don't see that from others on this roster. Nope, you Joe's on fire right now. Well, I think it would have been great here. Go back, like you said, flip these roles. Have Joe get disqualified, and then he can sit there and still brag. Like, we really believe Roman is the better competitor he had. Him. Joe intentionally got himself disqualified. But, but Joe's out there, you know, boasting about Hey, he, he's never pinned me. He's never pinned me. And then, you know, set up a gimmick match at the Rumble where it's a five-count match. Ooh, that's a good one. Where the big dog is really going to come in and say, you know what? Yeah, I've never got you to three or whatever, but I'm really going to send it home now. I'm going to knock you out. Let's make it a five-count match. I just did not understand Roman laying in the beatdown after the match, stealing all the heat. Merry Christmas from your lead baby face. Speaking of stealing things, the Miz once again stealing the show. 
Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, doing their thing. That I, I didn't care much for the promos backstage. I thought they were super cheesy, super campy. But when they did that Secret Santa thing in the middle of the ring, fantastic. Their facial expressions when Braun's music hit, I thought Curtis Axel legitimately shit himself. But, you know, again, a guilty pleasure of mine, Curtis Axel. Bo is getting in there, too. These guys are reinventing themselves here. I, I think that they have earned they have earned the right to actually go out there, elevate them a little bit, let them be serious contenders. But then again, they it's, it's one of those things you always hear when you become so damn good at it that the manager is going to keep riding in that direction. These guys are great at what they're doing. You're talking about the subtleties of Curtis Axel. How about – when you know Bo's getting his ass kicked in the ring, and Brock comes over to approach him in the corner, and he just slowly starts backing down the steps, grinding the ring post like, "No, I'm not really sure. I want any of this." Or, or like you said, the, the facial expressions when he came out, and he's immediately going to grab his neck because you remember why he was in that neck brace. Were you watching NXT when Bo Dallas was in NXT, or did you get in afterwards? No, I'm familiar with the product at that time. Talk about a missed opportunity, man. Bo Dallas had something really, really good going in NXT, and ever since he got to the main roster, he has just been a joke. I mean, I know we talk about Curtis Axel a lot, and yeah, he's absolutely become quite the guilty pleasure for both of us. I'm I'm just waiting for Bo to turn it up and, and kind of meet what Axel is doing. I thought this week was a, a definitely a step in the right direction. So let's go to the main event, the bar versus shit. Uh, I guess I should specify shit is my nice little tag team name for Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan. I think everyone out there is getting used to your little names that you got for everything. Uh, well, shield and training, they're shit. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the name shit, the bar versus shit. Um, I'm, I'm very curious what they're doing with Jason Jordan and, and, the thing that intrigues me here is the way the commentary was talking about Jason Jordan because they weren't talking about him like a whiny little brat this week. They were talking about him like he was a baby face. Then you also have the Seth Rollins doing the, the Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins story, except now Seth is Dean. And there was something inside this match where Seth was like, yeah, you know what kid? You're pretty good. Like, Seth was putting over Jordan more than the bar was putting over Jordan. So I wonder if they have completely changed course on this Jason Jordan storyline, and they're just putting him in the Ambrose spot. Like, we're not changing any creative. We're just going to stick with Jordan as a babyface. Well, Booker was hammering on him pretty well, which you expect that from your from your heel announcer, which Booker has obviously taken that complete rollover. Yep. He was hammering on him. I talk about how the kid didn't really, he hasn't earned anything. He hasn't shown respect towards the business. You know, he's living off his name. And Graves and him are, are kind of going back and forth with their banter that they always had there. Uh, in this match, and I still think, I, I see where you're coming from, with maybe they just slide him in and say, hey, we'll worry about how to, to rewrite this when Dean comes back. You can always write in a jealousy angle for a split somehow down the road, you know, to explain another Rollins and Ambrose feud or whichever direction we're going to go there. Again, I would keep. I would keep pushing the, the Jordan movement that you have here. And since Jordan actually went in, got that clean pin by himself, was very quick to grab those championships, I would just have him kind of just subtle moments in a slow build, get that slow burn going, where he ends up talking down to 
to Seth, like, yeah, it's great. You've done all this stuff before, but let's face it, you know, I'm the real talent here. Yeah, because he did kind of make that uh, comment where, you know, I'm a pretty good replacement for Ambrose. Even you got to admit that. Seth didn't dispute it. So there is still just that hint. I I keep him rolling a little cocky. You know, this this is one of his first big pins. I can't remember him actually pinning anyone since Elias. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, there was only one other thing that I wanted to talk about from Raw, and it's not good, and it wasn't even on Raw. The Revival versus Titus Worldwide was recorded for main event as a dark match before the show started. Number one, I didn't realize main event was still a show. And number two, why in the fuck is The Revival on it? Well, hey, you know, first of all, main event itself, I believe it's on Hulu, and you got international markets. It's still out there. Is it available on you, the you network? Get... I'm not completely sure on that. I, I don't think I ever thought to look. Yeah, the I only have reason no I actually, idea. If you know where the last main event the only reason is, on I Twitter. Is, is because this came up in the in the Ahami Media Group discussion group over on Facebook. This actually came up and someone pointed out that, yes, it still is on uh, Hulu and they still have it overseas in some international markets. So it still is there, but you're, you're, you're questioning this decision to have the revival there. I asked you last week, did they deserve more of an – or they earned more of an in, impactful return? You said, hey, keep the slow burn. Well, apparently someone was listening to you because I don't think you can get any slower than this, right? Well, slow burn is one thing, but fucking molasses speed is something completely different. How in the fuck are these guys ever going to get over if they're not on TV? You know, you had a one-hour uninterrupted – I mean, that's 17 minutes worth of commercials that you got back in the first hour – and you couldn't find six minutes for the revival to go out there and beat somebody? For the love of fucking Christ. Just shorten the Cena and Elias match by like five minutes. My God, it was at least 15 minutes too long. Good God. just I didn't understand that. That, that one makes no sense to me. Unfortunately, we don't have raw numbers yet because of the holiday. Things are a little bit delayed. We'll try to get you both uh, raw and SmackDown numbers on the Muse and Notes edition over the weekend. Uh, Rick, anything else that you want to say about uh, Monday Night Raw or the Red Brand before we go to SmackDown Live? I, I think we covered it all, brother. Let's let's switch our gears. Let's let's go from the red to the blue. Let's keep moving. She say Miami's passe, LA is what you expect, Paris was cool the last May, nothing surprises her, Saturday night ain't live enough, Yeezy then told her the needy disorder and now she don't even confide in us, she, she's so jaded, I love it, she hates it, you name it, she played it, and last when I say that we famous, I can't blame her though, the game will throw her ass for a loop, I tell her before you leave, make sure you do what you came to do, and I'm like, she don't think I see. Showing all up in the mags again Getting all drunk in the cab with Ben 
I've been your Basquiat. You've been my Madonna. Helen Keller to all of the drama. From the club and we jump in the gamma. Gamma, I'ma just crown the girl. She running around in my circles. I've been around the world. Too many have seen that you work through. I see that look in your eyes. You're wishing for something I shouldn't deny. This wouldn't be, couldn't be looking too right. It seems bizarre you took it tonight. And I'm like, she don't think I see. Cause she don't wanna be here She don't think I see She's all mortuary married I'm gone and I'm never ever ever coming back Never ever coming back Never ever coming I'm gone and I'm never ever ever coming back Never ever coming back Never ever coming So SmackDown kicks off with Brian, and the first thing Brian talks about is this Dolph angle. What what is going on with this Dolph angle? I, I have no idea. I can't. I don't even know if this is a Dolph angle at this point. I'm, I'm so well, confused. Again, you know, again, I think you know, I think someone's out there is listening to you because this was one of your big gripes last week about this show. Is that you have a guy that's been with your company for over a decade? He's your United States champion. Lays down the title kind of spits on everyone and leaves, and you don't even acknowledge it for the remainder of your show. And evidently, Brian didn't even try to catch Dolph backstage before he walked out because all he said was he's been texting him all week. So, so you come out here, you you address the situation. I actually, I actually want to go back here to kind of start. You know, I, I was out watching this uh, amongst the, ca- the most casual of casuals, people that do not follow this product today whatsoever. As we go through the rundown here, I, the listeners out there, they'll, they'll feel where I'm coming from because I was sitting here constantly, constantly defending and trying to explain professional wrestling and what the appeal is, why it, it, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be laughed at, why it's important over and over. And sometimes during this show, it, it, it became quite a challenge for me to achieve that. Was this Dolph Ziggler thing it, one of them? Uh, not... Not so much, you know. There were a couple guys kind of snickering. You know, we got, which is kind of uh, ironic that you know, oh that guy Brian, he looks like a lumberjack. That's kind of his roots yeah, are that's from there. Pretty fitting. Uh, the Dolph, you know, the pretty boy look, and I'm actually sitting there explaining, you know, his great accomplishments in collegiate wrestling, especially you know being from Ohio here. I you know pointing out the school that he went to, where he went to college, you know, the records that he's in the Hall of Fame up there in Akron. So then they start opening up to it, and I'm, and I'm taking in the segment myself here. I, I didn't think, if you're going to create, start a tournament here, it should be, to me, it should have been something special, man. I, I wanted, like, a big build-up, some cool graphics, give me the layout. It just seemed like it just, all right, we'll just, just get this thing going, get it out of the way. This tournament is terrible. I love tournaments. I'm all about tournaments. I come on here and advocate for WWE to do tournaments year round. This is how you don't do a tournament. 
Here's what I don't know. I don't know who's in the tournament. I don't know how many people are in the tournament. I don't know how many weeks this tournament's going to go for. I don't know when the finals of the tournament are. You know, to me, which would have been really cool here, they did end up saying there'll be eight competitors going through this tournament. Yeah, but they didn't say who. Right, and that to I mean, me, I'm that not, was like, I think the only one that said anything about it was Dillinger in that god-awful fucking promo that he cut. Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, that, he was the one that said there'll be eight people, but it's going to be a 10, 10, 10 that wins or something like that. Yeah. What I would have liked to see here is like a big announcement. You know, have have a spotlight on a podium with that championship. Talk about how prestige it is. Run down some past winners. Kind of buried off. You know, if he wants to be disrespectful and get out of here, then good riddance, you know. We're done with you. We are moving on with someone that wants to be a proud champion. That should have been Corbin's spot. Corbin should have cut a promo on Dolph Ziggler. Just tearing the guy apart. I would have even made it about the talent. I would have made it about that title. And then saying, hey, anyone that wants to enter in this thing, you need to come see me. We are going to start some qualifying matches here. And I would, and then I would also pitch too, over the course of this next month, I would, I would have this tournament run on the road to WrestleMania. Give something that these mid card can, these mid card towns can really invest in to get people interested behind what they're doing here. So hey, we're going to have qualifying matches from now to February, and those are also going to include live events. You're going to make sure you're going to want to come out and see WWE when we come to your town because you're going to see something that actually matters. Oh, I got a tangent about that, but we'll save that for a little bit. That's gonna that's gonna be a Thursday locker room uh, topic. Why life events suck. Um, I'm I'm wondering if this is going to lead to the U.S. title rebranding. We've seen several different images of potential U.S. titles. I wonder if that's going to be the big angle for this. It's to get a new U.S. title. Because that sounds like something WWE would do. Um, we had Corbin versus Rude. Your winner is Rude. We had Jinder versus Dillinger. Your winner is Jinder. But we don't know if Rude and Jinder are going to face each other or if they're on opposite sides of the brackets because they never showed us the brackets and they never told us who the other four competitors are. I'm not sure there's four more competitors on SmackDown worthy of it. Again here, you know, maybe their the, the direction is is fine a complete swing and miss on your presentation about how to make anything important. It's throwing shit against the wall because you can't come up with anything else. This could have been a much bigger deal. And I felt slighted by that. And I was disappointed in how it was presented. Anything to say about Corbin versus rude or gender versus Dillinger. Neither match really did a whole lot for me. Nothing. And especially when you, when you go back and look at like Dillinger versus gender, I mean, that was one of those not, what did I have any belief whatsoever that Dillinger had a chance to win that match? Nope. But I do like the spot that they got Jinder in because I feel like that's where he belongs. And I, I that makes me happy. Let's talk about the tag division because they came out to interrupt Brian's promo before he could tell us who all was in the fucking tournament. And the tag division was really a big chunk of this show. Uh, you have Stellar Nebula versus Rusev Day versus New Day. Uh, Rusev Day is over as fuck. There were Rusev Day chants during Monday Night Raw, for God's sake. Yeah, coming in here, again, you know, I, I'm watching with the most casual casuals. It, it took me a little bit 
I was explaining, I was like, kind of having a little fun with Rusev eggs because they were kind of questioning the singing gimmick, and I just kind of kept just yelling, it's Rusev Day over top of them, <laughs> and people kind of started warming up to it. That's they the gimmick. a little funny. That's the gimmick. Uh, with uh, Gable and Benjamin, people bought into them. They looked, I was watching, with, and these people watch boxing and UFC, MMA, whatever. Those guys looked legit. See, and this one surprised me like when stars. you told me that because I was like, really, they got Stellar Nebula. Um, maybe one of them can explain them to me because I don't get it. And you were like, they're just two athletic guys out there competing for a championship. And it was like, well, yeah, I guess that's a story I can buy into. They don't need they anything look, flashy. They look legit. The only, they, they the only thing like I had to say about them is I remember why Shelton Benjamin never really – made it further than he did in the WWE the more that he talks in a microphone. Like, there's just something about Shelton that just does not connect at all. I did pop for the old Jason Jordan comment, though. I did pop for that. Then we got, which became, damn, this was damn near impossible. It was, I almost wanted, I just started kind of sinking down in my chair. Yes. How do you explain the New Day to somebody who does not watch the WWE product? Rick, go for it. I actually, I couldn't. Uh, you got some gyrating brothers pulling pancakes out of their pants and dumping stuff on the audience. It, you couldn't do it. Yeah, I got nothing. I got. They're an nothing. absolute. They're an absolute clown act. And when people from the outside are looking in and they want, this is where it started into the. This is why we hate this. It's it's over the top fake. Yeah. And you know, I start into their usual, you know, the usual routines of trying to, you know, like, oh, I guess the. You guys actually believe? I was like, you guys watch television? You guys watch movies? You actually believe that our government built these hyper chamber tunnels or whatever that would allow the, the military service members to go to another dimension and be in, inhabit blue people's bodies or some shit? You know, New Day. This is, seems- this is presented. Wrestling is presented as you have to be able to believe that it's real going on there. And when you have things like this, uh, this is not relatable to anyone in life. And they felt overly campy and sarcastic and kind of dickheads tonight. Like, th- there was something about New Day that just seemed like that that snotty heel New Day before they started pushing merch. It was an odd dynamic. As um, long as they're still pushing that merch, though. But. Stellar Nebula, your number one contenders. I, I still think Rusev Day should be your number one contenders, and I would put the titles on them as fast as I can and make as much money with them as you can right now because this thing has a shelf life. Agreed. So the other part of the tag team division, Breezango and the Ascension and the Bludgeon Brothers. This is still going, Rick. How many times do I have to watch poor Tyler be murdered? I kind of, the placement here, going back to back with these tag team matches, I thought that was kind of peculiar. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, But it seems like it's going where we've wanted this thing to go. It seems like it's heading towards the reemergence of the Ascension against the Bludgeon Brothers. My question is, aren't we hearing all these rumors that they signed War Machine? So... What the fuck do we do with the Bludgeon Brothers who are doing the War Machine gimmick? Do you, do you send War Machine through NXT? 
Really? Well, I think, yeah, that's the big, that's, that's a strong rumor that they are being brought in to go through NXT. So it's, it could be quite a while before we have a possibility of these two teams interacting with one another. Why would you send War Machine to NXT? Uh, then, then you also, you know, they like to mirror. Look at the women's division. They, they, each brand mirrors the other. You could just send War Machine to Raw and keep your budget brothers over on SmackDown or just keep them separate, you know? They got to quit sending these talents through NXT. Like, there, there is absolutely zero reason I can imagine why War Machine needs to go through NXT. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. So then we get Ascension booking their own match. I, I, I don't understand why we keep letting talents and referees and commentators and everybody else and their brother book matches all of a sudden. But the Ascension decide that Breezango is going to face the Bludgeon Brothers again next week. And this time they think well, it's well, going to be you know, different. It's not, it's not like they, they booked it themselves you know they threw out the challenge and said that they would like to do this again but i mean really especially if you're breeze and you've just been murdered two weeks in a row what you go to management like you know that segment uh that they were talking for us we don't want to do that yeah right well and at least they put that over like the look on breeze and dango's faces were just like what why and they're like no it'll be okay guys it'll be okay ascension's up to something how would you, you know feel? they're up to something how would you feel if Tyler Breeze pins Luke Harper next week? Yeah, see, I, you know, I'm getting a thing is like, the, is, is the ascension that was one behind all of these things that we've seen in the fashion files going all the way back to this because they were always blaming the Bludgeon Brothers? That'd at least be interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that that these that these these groups are just making their way to the ring, and it is the most developed program that we have going on. In the entire fucking company. Yeah. I mean, this has legitimately been like a six-month build to these squash matches. It's like, this is how we're going to get the Ascension over. One way or the other, we're going to do it. Then we had the women's division train wreck. I didn't even want to talk about this segment, but... I think we can get through it pretty quick, because I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It was a train wreck. It was an absolute train wreck. Much like on Raw, I didn't take anything away from any of their women's segments. And this thing was absolutely just horrendous. What did the casual fans think of the women's segment? That's the only reason I put this on the run sheet. Because I wanted to know what they thought of it. Okay, to be quite honest, I was sitting in a dive bar on the west side of Cincinnati. It's highly conservative. You got some very old school thinkers. There wasn't a lot of constructive conversation going on. It was more about body parts and how the girls look. Tremendous. Tremendous. Yay, women's revolution. Uh, then we had Owens versus Styles. And I feel like the only story here is Shane fucks up again. You have AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens in a 16-minute match that is fantastic. Pay-per-view main event fantastic and then you turn around and make the whole thing about Shane McMahon fucking it up my, my only thing here you know it, like you're saying you know it is it all comes down to Shane McMahon fucking it up are we gonna get one of those swerves where these aren't really fuck-ups they were just intentional movements by Shane oh god I don't know 
I, uh, I, I did. The, that, that is very Mr. McMahon-esque. It is. It is. Uh, the, what did you think of the pre-tape between Shane and Brian? Because, you know, we, we keep getting these segments where one is justifying itself to the other. And I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to this story that's going to be the parents are bickering and they're teasing a divorce and then they come back together and they whip the kids' ass. Then they make out. Well, at this point, you know, hey, you know yeah, the other thing, and I, I haven't really seen this confirmed anywhere. A couple of people in the, I mean, media discussion group are talking about this. I guess, is there a rumor out there that Sammy Zayn is supposed to get the nod to challenge styles at the rumble for the WWE championship? Um, I've heard that rumor from one person, one person only. Okay. Who heard the maybe rumor from people. somebody else, but it's, okay. it's, so this it's spreading through any. the group. But okay. So this, this hasn't really been come from one of the established, but more known, uh, dirt sheet writers. I'm just failing to see how in the world we get there. Like well, one of the things, well, you could just easily, you know, they've run everyone out there for a four corners match and he steals the win. Come on. It's typical WWE. You know, they can come out of nowhere with that. Why would Shane McMahon let Sami Zayn be in that match? That's the problem. Land of opportunity. You know, you kind of got that split. Yeah, but right now it's the land of fuck Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. That's the land that we're in. It's like Jersey says to me earlier, he's like, I think Shane's going heel. And I was like, you think? He's been a heel since this whole fucking thing started. Well, then uh, what I'm going with here, my original, my initial thought when I heard that Zane was going to be here was, oh, God, no. You're, you're completely just crapping over all over both of your titles on one of your, your majors of the year. And I immediately said, why isn't the star of that little, of that little tandem, that little duo, why isn't Kevin Owens put in that spot? Why didn't we get something that we saw like on this episode of SmackDown? Give him four more minutes and let him go out to do 20 minutes at the Rumble, which is going to end up being a six-hour freaking pay-per-view. Yep. To steal Sami Zayn's line. Yep. It just doesn't make any sense to me. They, they, they. We re- really, really, really need a superstar shakeup. This SmackDown roster is so stale at this point. So stale. Well, you know how I feel about the superstar shakeups. I, I think it's the ultimate form of lazy creative. I absolutely cannot stand them. I, I kind of cringe every time I even hear the word. Lowest common denominator booking. Get off of your asses. Think outside the box. There is, there's more interesting ways to move talent around than just trying to run it out there. I was wondering what the hell was going on. People were expecting like the old, the old draft days and all that. They completely missed it with it. You could create a sense of of cave have people contracts are expiring. Uh, management doesn't like some people. You're making big blockbuster trades throughout the year instead of just arbitrarily picking a freaking uh, a two week or you know one week out of the year between the two shows to just move people, which is flat out lazy as hell to me. Anything else that you want to say about the blue brand this week? I am good. You got me all pissed off with the shakeup talk. Well, I do have one question for you because, you know, things change over the course of a couple of weeks. Rick, who wins the Royal Rumble? 
page. Rick, who wins the men's Royal Rumble? Still at this point, you know, it, this is way up in here. It, you usually by this time we usually have five people. We're really pretty sure going to do this thing. Uh, we're getting some different names out there. I don't. They're they're not creating any stars right now that that do not hold championships. So shit, I'll, I'll just go with John Cena. My picks to win the Rumble as it stands right now is Oscar and Randall Keith Orton. So that's going to do it for episode 18. We'll be back in your ear holes this Saturday with more music and notes from across the professional wrestling world. Then Monday, we'll be joined by Big Ray in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. As always, you can find the show on Twitter, HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our support system over at thegorillaposition.com for your daily pro wrestling needs. And as always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the fangirls find you? Uh, you can personally find me on Twitter at the Real RBV. I also like to encourage everyone to follow the Hacker Humming Media Group. You can find us at the Humming Media Group over on Twitter. And always jump on the discussion group. Hit that like button. Uh, come join in all the fun and festivities that we have going on on a daily basis. And uh, as, as you kind of plug there, go visit our friend Ryan K and Mr. Melkor over at thegorillaposition.com. Daily, daily content. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You know, these guys aren't about they're – not, they're not like the dirt sheets. They're about informing the real professional wrestling enthusiast, a very unique site, one that I encourage everyone to check out on the daily. So that's going to do it for us. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me don't give up your bad guy stop stop go
fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. <laughs> You know I will be so bad.